NPR. Hey everyone, it's Cardiff. This is the indicator from Planet Money. And I am joined today by Tim Harford, an economist and the host of the Cautionary Tales podcast. Tim, how are you? I'm doing okay. How are you, Cardiff? Doing okay also. And and Tim, we wanted to have you on the show because you recently did an episode of Cautionary Tales that's about the hidden consequences, the often very tragic hidden consequences of how people and sometimes policymakers respond to disasters and It gets at this really old idea in economics about unintended consequences and just how our minds are way better at solving problems that we can see directly, that we understand, and quite bad at anticipating the problems and the risks that we might be creating further down the line. So the the idea is really old, but it's been studied by modern social scientists. For example, uh, George Lowenstein, who's a, a very respected behavioral economist, uh, he calls it the identifiable victim effect. And he basically just says, look, um, if you are able to name a particular victim, if you're able to to show a photograph of this victim, they're going to get much more help, much more attention than some hypothetical statistical victim that you, you, know, you don't know who they are, you don't know what their name is, you don't know what they look like. You can predict they will be hurt at some time in the future, but it just doesn't feel the same. All right. Well, after the break, uh, Tim is going to give us two quite tragic examples of hidden consequences. And then we're going to talk about how this concept, how this idea is so relevant to the world we are living in now as we try to figure out the best ways to respond to the coronavirus pandemic. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Okta, a leader in identity-driven security. As the world shifts to a more remote work approach, Okta empowers your remote employees to securely access company data and applications. Learn more at OKTA.com NPR. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Barracuda. Most cyber attacks start with an email. Protect your business and remote teams with Barracuda Total Email Protection. Get a secure, free email threat scan at barracuda.com slash NPR. Tim, you tell this really sad story in Cautionary Tales about what happened to this elderly couple in Japan, Mikio and Hamako Watanabe, after the huge Tohoku earthquake in 2011. And that earthquake led to this horrible tsunami that itself directly killed thousands of people but which also led to a nuclear meltdown famously at the Fukushima Daiichi power plant. And there were worries about radiation being spread throughout the area. So what happened afterwards? Naturally, the Japanese authorities said, well, we've got to get people away from this unstable power plant. We don't want them to be exposed to radiation. So there was an exclusion zone of a a mile and then two miles and then 10 miles. and, And pretty soon hundreds of thousands of people were suddenly evacuated. Now you'd think, okay, that makes perfect sense. This power station is melting down. You've got to get people out of the area until we know it's safe. But people then had to stay away from the area for, for months, for years. And um, Mikio and, and Hamako were, were really distressed by this. In particular, Hamako, she, she was just desperate to get back to the home that she loved. And, and in the end, they, they went back for a visit, for a one-night visit, and she was clinging on to him. She was sobbing all through the night. And in the morning, she killed herself. I mean, it's the most awful 
tragedy. But it's not a unique tragedy because in the end, when the Japanese authorities investigated this, they concluded that uh, more than 50 people had killed themselves uh, plausibly as a result of the evacuation. Yeah, and, and from a policy that was clearly well-intended and, and also really quite understandable in the moment, it, it just failed to anticipate these oncoming risks. Many years later, the whole thing was assessed and it was concluded that a lot of people had suffered and probably very few lives had been saved by the evacuation. Uh, and of course, in those circumstances, it's very easy to overlook these complex sort of statistical deaths and and very easy to focus on the obvious risks that are right in front of you. Yeah, Tim, and there's this other example you give of what happened after a train crash in the UK, a crash that itself was tragic. It, it killed four people and it injured about 70 people. And then after the crash, the authorities, the UK authorities, started checking a lot of the rails to make sure that there were no more cracks in them to avoid further train crashes. And then to do that, they had to slow the trains down. And that did not really work for everyone who was riding the trains. So a lot of those train riders then switched to riding in cars or driving cars. And cars are more dangerous than trains. And so a study assessing this reckoned that the train slowdown had increased traffic accidents to the tune of maybe five deaths, maybe 75 injuries. That's a statistical estimate. We have no way of of confirming that. We have no way of naming who those people might have been. But if you remember, Hatfield, that was four deaths and 70 injuries. So the slowdown basically replicated the accident all over again in a statistical way, hidden deaths. Yeah, and Tim, there's kind of an obvious reason why these stories are so resonant now, why we're having you on the show, which is that the world is now responding to coronavirus and massive parts of the global economy have been shut down. People are distancing from from other people or or at least from strangers. And, And it seems possible, maybe even likely, that these measures, which are necessary for slowing the spread of the virus, will also end up having unintended and maybe hidden consequences as well, right? Yeah, I think the the pandemic and the lockdown have been so dramatic that this point has not been lost on people. People are aware, and I think they are at least somewhat sensitive to the possibility that people may die as a result of um, falling into despair, losing their jobs. Um, We may well see deaths because vaccination programs for other diseases such as measles uh, have been set back because healthcare systems all over the world have been disrupted. Clearly we're going to see costs from the interruption of children's schooling and I'm not saying the lockdowns were the wrong policy. Um, I supported them at the time and I think that probably they were the right policy although it's going to take a, a long time to figure that out, a lot of hindsight to figure that out. But we do need to be really sensitive to the hidden costs of the pandemic in general, the lockdowns in particular, and to figure out how to mitigate them uh, as soon as possible. And one of the points you've made, Tim, is that when a disaster like this first strikes, a lot of people feel like really committed, really mobilized to do whatever is necessary to recover from it, to to get over the disasters, to get past it. But eventually the the tank kind of starts running low, like that, that commitment initially, that initial commitment starts to flag. And it all just becomes too much. Absolutely. And the peak year for suicides 
after the Fukushima evacuation wasn't 2011, which was the, the year the disaster happened. And it, it happened early in the year, it happened in March. Uh, it wasn't even 2012, it was actually 2013. That was the peak year for suicides. That's two years after the initial disaster. And, and there's a, a researcher who was quoted by the Financial Times uh, who studied this, and what he said really haunted me. He said, initially, everyone was really determined but they got tired. And that's when depression started to increase. And I just keep thinking of that because I look at, I think about myself, I look at the people around me. And yeah, we were all so determined. And now we're all getting tired. And we really need to keep looking out for each other because this is a long haul. And, uh, you know, the the indirect effects of the virus and the lockdown are going to last a very long time. Indeed. Uh, well, Tim, this is really heavy stuff. So let me let me see if we can't end this on a slightly hopeful note, which is that there are hidden costs, possibly hidden deaths, but but maybe there might end up being also some hidden benefits as well. There are absolutely hidden benefits. Uh, so uh, people who uh, suffer, for example, as a result of pollution, people who die in traffic accidents, uh, you know, these deaths have been reduced, surely been reduced. By the lockdown, we're seeing environmental benefits. So people are starting to realise, hey, um, it's kind of it's really nice to be in a city where you're not constantly breathing the fumes of vehicles and having to watch out in case you get run over. Uh, maybe we could cycle more. Maybe we could walk more. So it's there are hidden benefits as well as hidden costs, and maybe that's a a cheerful thought. Uh, Tim Harford, thanks so much. Thank you, Cardiff. This episode of The Indicator was produced by Darius Rafian, and it was fact-checked by Brittany Cronin. Our editor is Patty Hirsch, and The Indicator is a production of NPR.